0: Welcome back to the Fit for Fitness podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Davis, and today we have on an incredible guest, Brad Jensen, aka The Sober Bodybuilder. He's the owner of Key Nutrition, and he's the founder of The Next Level Experience, and his story is just amazing, and we'll hear a little bit about that on the podcast. But also, I wanted to talk to him about some of the principles that he uses to create success in all of his programs for everyone that he is working with, and he does just that. So, if you're ready for incredible value, stay tuned. All right, so first of all, Brad, I just want to thank you for being on. I really appreciate your time and I'm look forward to hearing your perspective kind of on uh, a a number of matters. So, good to see you again, brother.
1: It's been uh, it's been fun to uh follow you on social. Um, you have some good content, by the way. I appreciate that. Dude, and your gym is just sick. Can we just acknowledge like, yeah. it's like a club in there? It's like purple lights. It's, it's, man, that place is dope. Is that how you, like when you train people, is it like that color? It's that
0: color all the time. Dude, I love it, bro. That's the vibe, man. Yeah. Uh, some people think it's like, it, it gives Miami advice. Some people are like, I mean, it's a number of things. So, um, it all kind of happened by accident. It mainly happened because the whole place looked very sterile. Um, and so I just didn't want it to look like that. Cause we took over, uh, people who, um, were training Parkinson's patients and, um, during COVID they shut down. So they wanted to get out of their lease. And then I came in to take over and then they kind of left a little bit of stuff and it was just very officey. And this, this building's very strange as well. It's like a used to be a hotel and then it was like an old people's home and so this was like the old people's like rec room. And so there's like a bookcase. It yeah. It, it, it was a
1: yeah it was the it was a whole live but the other way. For any of my listeners, if uh when I post this you guys are listed, you gotta you gotta go check out uh check out his gym. It's sick. Uh that's where i want to go train. I was like, I don't know if he just does this for the content or if that's the, like that. It's a total Miami
0: Vice vibe. Yeah next time you're up here man you should come check it out. Yeah man absolutely would love that. Cool. So, um, you wear like a number of hats, like you are a mentor, you're a business owner, you're a father, you're a speaker, you're a content creator, and you're able to deliver value on like all of those fronts. And, um, I know that a lot of, uh, of what you do is, is share your story. Um, but today I actually really wanted to like pick your brain on what you feel is kind of valuable in terms of like when i'm sure there are some similarities when people come in contact with you with like some like foundation setting in terms of like how you go about the coaching process or how you're like managing someone so i was wondering if there are like really important principles for you like when people get started at like the ground level with you be it content or speaking or any of that stuff good question um you mean just as far as when they so just some fundamental principles across the board that i try to implement is that kind of what you're saying Sure. if there are um and if they're not and you approach all these like differently like how would you kind of distinguish which ones are like okay these these need this and, and over here when i'm doing you know speaking they need this like but my clients need this to start it's a very good question. I've never been asked that and now I'm thinking in my head, that's
1: always a good, when it, you know, when you got someone thinking that's good. You know, it is interesting because, um, you know, I think, you know, at, at different times and, and while I don't, um, I don't nutrition coaches much, uh, anymore, I'm kind of like Cody, we still have a hard time, like exiting all the way out of it. I think I'm still doing it a touch more than him. I don't know though. I haven't, I haven't checked in with him for a minute on it, but, uh, um, interesting like in in one given week not too long ago um you know i took on a nutrition client but it was it was a referral of one of my longtime clients they're like hey listen you take this person i said sure so I i started them i started a mentor client um and i spoke just on a zoom thing but to a corporation of about 200 people all like within i think the same 24 hours and you know for me going into it as far as how i approach it is how can i give the most value to these people no matter what it is no matter what situation um and i think it is interesting because when it comes to a nutrition client let's say a mentor client for business um there are different ways i approach it because i believe there's no cookie cutter thing right but some fundamental principles of like hey listen you know because um, i'll work with some like high level ceos and then even like you know people for, for business or content stuff, they, you know, they might be, you know, in charge of six of their own coaches at their company. And it's like kind of just getting them to be like, hey, listen, man, like I just need you to take that take the hat off right now and just be the student and listen to me. And like, you know, in two days when I hop on a call with my mentor, I gotta take my hat off and be like, I'm here to learn and be the student. And so I think just always being humble and being willing to learn. You want to go speak to people, um just you know, ask them to try to try to have an open mind for what I'm going to share, and I think just just a level of humility, uh, trying to instill that in people from the beginning, and especially because I do work with a lot of people who might be in charge in their own life and in in business, or you know, or and that's usually what it is, like in their particular business, It's like, hey, listen, should you listen, listen to me, and like I will, I'm going to do the same for my mentor. So just a level of trust, and uh, that's a good question, man. I I I really. I wish I had more of a system, but every every client is so different from nutrition. And I know you know this with training. It's like, I mean, it could be totally different. I've I've trained I've trained two sisters back when I used to train people for show preps, and um, they were identical twins, and they had two totally different plans. And they'd be like, "Why does Why does she get to do this and I don't?" And I'm like, "Because you guys are two different people." She's like, "But we're twins," and so I think even as a coach on on your end, always making sure that. I just think this is why a true connection-based model is so important, just getting to know people and really getting to know even their personality type and what's going to work for them and not work for them. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think just just instilling a level of humility and being willing to learn and open-minded. Like open-mindedness is like, if you can stay open-minded, man, possibilities are unlimited, but it's the closed-minded approach or I know this already
0: or, you know, that, uh, that I think shortchains a lot of people. So for the people that are coming in and you are presenting them with like, okay, guys, like I I have something for you here. Like, I'd really like you to just kind of like have an open mind to this. When you present it that way, do you feel like that automatically gets a little bit more trust and a little bit more buy-in versus like, Hey, I'm just going to like shove some shit down your throat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude, I think so. And that was, uh, That was advice given to me um, by someone who's done much bigger things in this industry. It was a good friend of mine now by the name of Jordan Syatt. And Jordan said, uh, He was like, dude, anytime I go speak, I just say, Hey, listen, even if you've heard me speak 40 times, I just ask that you come in and just, just say, Hey, maybe there's something new I can learn. Like, even if you don't agree with me on some things, keep listening because there might be something you do agree on. And he said, In fact, I hope you don't agree with everything I say right off the bat. And if, If by the end of it you are like, hey, that point of view makes sense, cool, and if not that is okay too as long as you were stayed open-minded. And I think that that man, I see people, I talk to people who follow people on social, they'll say one thing that they disagree with, they're like, oh, I'm not following that dude anymore. I'm like, he has a lot of good stuff to say, or I can't believe you follow so-and-so. He said this, I'm like, yeah, I didn't agree with him on that, but I do learn a lot because I just try to be like, okay. I'm not gonna agree with everything everyone says, but if I can remain open minded, man, I think that the, the the growth that can happen in that zone, I think is 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 uh is incredible.
0: Yeah, and like it kind of cuts off your opportunity for new connections if you're only gonna hang out with or um take in information for people with the exactly same perspective as you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So when you're when you're going through Um, and like you've landed on this connection-based coaching model, I imagine that there's a reason why you've implemented it altogether, um, as opposed to, um, just force feeding somebody information, um, really try to get to know them, um, understand them, their pain points, um, kind of gives you a little bit more perspective on how to coach that person holistically. And, um, I'm really curious to to hear a little bit about what are like some insights that somebody could um, expect from that sort of coaching as opposed to like all right this is going to be your macros here you're going to go and that this is what you're going to do what would you say for somebody who hasn't experienced that what would you say is the primary difference there yeah you know it's interesting and
1: what we kind of have uh we have a hybrid model um here at Key Nutrition where um you know most of our business is done virtually. However, the, the caveat is for a lot of uh a lot of people coming in, um, you know, whereas I look at Cody's company and I think I think he hits a lot more of the advanced people, right? They know what to do. They got this and and um and I, I feel like our for a while our targeting message was towards more like the new person who wants to learn about macros heard this from somewhere doesn't know how to do it um you know a lot of the soccer moms are like our original even the branding is this teal and purple and you know it's it's brighter and we tried to attract that and when i say a hybrid model is that we have what's called full coaching which is uh you get a phone call or preferably a zoom call so we can make eye-to-eye contact every single week and um And we go over everything just like you would an online check-in, but it's, it's true connection based. Like, and then we do have an online only option. Um, and there's two different price points on that. And and the reason I say all that is, man, I'll be honest. I still like when I went strictly just pure virtual after being in person, I missed that connection, man. The way you get to know clients, you get to by training them for an hour, sometimes multiple times a week. I mean, you bar- you you with these people for life probably right <laughs> like you get to know them at a deep level you start knowing their kids names and their soccer again you know, did they win their soccer game and like this this stuff might not seem to have anything to do with losing weight or getting in shape but it does because the buy-in and trust is there and so um i kind of said you know what i'm gonna try this i'm gonna try this hybrid model we'll recharge more but you get more of a one-on-one touch. And again, even ideally a Zoom call. So we're um, we're eye-to-eye. And I, I think that, um, man, and, and both models are great. I'm not shitting on purely online. But that's kind of what separated us from every other online company was this high touch. And again, for someone who comes in that got macros down, just needs to, they need some accountability. They know what to do. Um, and still, even then, if they can remain open-minded, um you know we do have an online option only where you know it's just check-ins but for people who are new at this or maybe in a lot of pain or have a hundred pounds to lose like that accountability of showing up on a call and actually talking through it and teaching them you know how to track macros and why okay let me see your food logs and really going over this but again even deeper than that having a having you know a few minutes to talk about their life man they, they start to know like trust and respect you well, when that happens i mean you know, then the information you give them, I mean, they take his gold and so you have to be careful with that too. You're not giving incorrect information. Uh, but man, it's, I just think this connection is what makes the transformation become even more special and real because like I got to know so many of their pain points. And again, not discrediting that you can't get to know a person uh, through an online check-in too. But Let's be honest. It's different than if you're actually chatting with them every single week and um, so I don't know if that really answered your
0: question either, but I think it does. Cause I mean, I've had, I've had my share of online coaches, you know, for nutrition. Um, and the coaches that I had hired, I, I won't, I won't name them, but I've had some where it felt like they're just feeding me a spreadsheet and it's like, if I don't stick to it, like there's something wrong with me. Right. That's whereas, you know when I coached with Cody um and when I'm working with my coach now it was very much like hey dude like things happen like I'm a new like at the time my wife was pregnant and like you know I'm kind of slipping up here and there and I'm like man like having to run her to the hospital and all this going on and nesting and (laughs) so uh nesting is real right like the house is changing and it's like and then um just our dynamic surrounding food was changing and it's like I'm trying to diet but I can't it was terrible so um and then just having somebody that like you know is actually like understands and is in your corner and like as your priorities might shift they're also not so stuck to what they wanted for you or what you came to them for you know like so like your priorities can shift because you're human and, and that might happen and, uh, and then not having somebody would be like, no, stay on. <laughs> Dude, that was a much more elegant way of putting it. I should just interview you. That's
1: exactly right. The ability to pivot understanding your client's needs when there's a true connection there, when there's a deep connection and, and you're getting to know one, like that's it. Because listen, I can, I can think that someone needs to get, you know, to X percent body fat or look X way. And that was their original goal coming in but maybe somewhere along the line, they realized, you know what? I don't think I want abs because me and you both have, have had abs. I think you probably still do. You got shredded to the bone, dude. Um, it is a lot of work. It is far more work than people think. It is more likely you'll become a millionaire than have a six pack. It is incredibly and I don't know where <laughs> they got this statistic. But <laughs> I heard that statistic. Sal DiStefano said it. And I'm thinking in my head, where in the hell did they pull people who got a six-pack? Like, right, yeah. But there's like 22, I oh, I think I read the stat, there are 22 millionaires. I don't know if there's 22 million people um, in America with a six-pack. but um, So maybe it's correct, but I've always wanted that statistic. I'm like, where the hell are you doing this? Or even when they say like 95% of diets fail, I'm like, is somebody taking a quiz at the end? Yeah. Filling out a, a survey? Yeah. Um But- maybe they realize along the way that they don't want to tote around Tupperware. They don't want to have to sacrifice family outings because there is a level of sacrifice and me and you have both done it. And, you know, for a short bit, like it's worth it, especially as a coach. And when there's a motive behind it, like a photo shoot or a bodybuilding show, there's, there's this thing at the end, but when there's not for a client, they might realize that's not my goal anymore. I actually just feel really comfortable in my own skin. And I, I'm, I, that's not where i want to go and i've worked with a coach before i was like dude i know i want to get like shows stage ready shredded again but i tried to tell him like this is not my goal anymore um should, dude, i'm not competing like i just realized i'm like i'm pretty lean as it is and he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and finally i had to push back and was like homie i don't want to anymore yeah bro but that's, that's your that's your limiting belief so i'm like no it's not dude i I'm a new dad at this time yep. I, I i just i want to prioritize spending some more time with my son than doing all of this right now you know we was obviously the energy to play with him and brand new dad not getting him out of sleep i should and um you know and then, but other times where it was cody cody helped me through a, a photo shoot um prep and and he, uh you know i love the way he handled it like towards the very end he's like do you want to get like it's the most graphic way he describes it, but you want to get dick dick. What does he say? Dick skin lean. Yeah. <laughs> or do you want to just get lean? And I was like, I just want to get lean, bro. But you know what? You know exactly what he's saying when he says it, though. So I know you were. He's paper thin. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it's such a it's such a good description because, and when I told him that, he was like, "Cool, okay." Then this is like, and he, he gave the plan of action to follow, like getting. Dude, lean. I was lean for that photo shoot. I looked good. I could have been leaner. But at that point in my life, I was just like, no, dude, I just want to get nice and lean. Uh, I don't, I don't, I've been shredded. I just don't want to do that right now. And he heard me and listened to me. Right. And that, that is so important. And I, there is coaches out there that their whole motive is to make sure you get shredded so they have
0: a good before and after to post, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, like it, that's, I mean, that's a lot of the the models for um how somebody would acquire clients and um and that's kind of maybe maybe something that they could also learn from you is like how to curate content online so like i'm actually kind of curious if the way that you approach content is similar to the way that you approach kind of these other things because it seems like you're really meeting people where they're at with both like the advice and then you have sheena and then you have like your tweet posts so you have like multiple mediums and all this stuff so i'm wondering if um if this is all kind of married to that same thing where it's like i want to be able to connect with the people behind the phone like i have a certain person in mind behind the phone and how i'm delivering that content yeah dude a hundred percent um
1: you know i think one of the most important things when you look at you know yeah, producing content and and i would say this is you know try to and it's hard when that camera comes out people get kind of weird sometimes especially when it's video stuff um but you know try to be the exact same dude you are and i th- I love that's why you know your particular clips come back to yours like those are those are real life training sessions those aren't staged and so you're being the same dude as you are in that training session so it doesn't feel awkward for your client but it also doesn't feel awkward for the people watching it people can read through that shit but yeah, I try to meet people where they're at. There's like you know, there's still some content that I post, and I'm like, I am so bored of talking about this shit. But it's 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 like we need to keep reminding because as many great coaches there are, which I've been blessed to meet a ton of them in the industry and make make great connections. There's still a lot of shitty information going around. There's still a lot of ads inundated that are gonna that are gonna really like even though people are like that's too good to be true. I saw one the other day that was for a, a fat loss gummy. And I said, lose up to 20 pounds in 40 days. And my client and it was a girl that posted in her story. And of course, she's got a discount code for these fat burning gummies. And I'm like, what the hell? Um, that's still a thing. Like it shocks me, but people are always going to be appealed to that. So just continuing to post some of the shit that's boring to me now. And, and um, but I try to have a wide variety of, meet, uh, variety of meeting people where they're at. And I, I have to remember, even though I'm bored about talking about it, us as coaches still need to put out the information so it's still keep reminding the person out there that's still thinking the quick fix
0: is maybe the better way. Right. And I mean with with content online and with trying to serve clients, it's like it feels like if I've answered this question before, then I just need to go a layer deeper. And then you get super granular and then you lose the people that you were attempting to serve. So yeah like it it you either end up in like the trainer circle jerk. Or like you're like over here just trying to do newfangled exercises that you know maybe not effective for clients, but it's it's still trying to meet them where they're at. But it's like entertainment factor more like oh try this workout to flatten your tummy, and it's like no <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. You know, uh, and then you know it's uh, obviously my my Instagram handle is a sober bodybuilder and uh you know, and I've told my story so at nausea, but I have 10 and a half years sober from drugs and alcohol, gnarly heroin addiction, uh, left me on the streets. And, um, you know, I had somebody the other day, a friend of mine that said, Hey man. And he was doing it. Out of love, I tell, to- actually told Cody about it. And he was like, fuck that dude. Um, he said, man, I, th- I think you're still living off your story too much. And I said, no, dude, like I, I don't shove it in people's face. Um, but I do probably every two months try to try to make a post about that and the reality is is i've amassed um, you know my followers i've gotten enough dms from people that i know were are also either new in recovery or maybe they have long-term recovery or maybe they're battling demons right now yeah meeting where they're at it's not like i still hang on my story like i'm still that person but it's it's you know what you know i'd like to give a message open just remind people it's possible like if a guy like me can do it you can do it too and so that is perfect example of content where i'm trying to meet some i'm trying to meet some people where they're at and that's that content is not going to resonate with with everyone because some people have never battled that so it's just not relevant to them but the people who are who it does like that means a lot to them so again it's kind of trying to get a diversity of content and meeting them where they're at and just saying hey listen like Just letting you know you can do it too. It's not that I hang my hat on my story so much. It is part of who I am. But it's not who I am. But it's important for me to keep reminding people. That like there are so many people who don't make it. So if I can remind you that I can make it. Maybe you think you can too. And also
0: like just how far like. How far you go. Like every step further that you take. shows someone how much farther that they can go. Right like you're you are saying like look at where i've come in like it doesn't need to stop here it's like every every little increment and every little step forward is it's for those people yes right and and while it's for you it's also for them so it's like recovery is a process and then like thinking that you'll never get through it or that you know you're you're bound to relapse or you know or that you won't you know be able to to do this, and you see you, and then you're like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, can happen, right? And I'm sure that you've had like conversations like that where somebody probably came to you and 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 did see like, "Oh, this guy, all oh, his companies, he's doing this next level experience, he's doing all these things, he's like, you know, has a healthy relationship with his son." That I, I mean, I, that to me seems like it would be worth, that alone would be like worth sharing your story, right? Imagine if you just erase that now. Yeah. You waste
1: all that opportunity. Dude, no, you're exactly right, dude. The DMs I've gotten that over the years have meant the most to me or people were like, hey man, I mean, I shared a story, uh, it was about two years ago, it was August of 2021 and, uh, um, my divorce had just gone final and, uh, you know, me and, me and his mom, almost split well we did split turns out she's pregnant got back together and and quickly you know we're like and and i'm happy to report like we get along really good today we're really good friends um and it just wasn't the right fit to be married and so i was struggling and i went to uh i went to mexico on a trip and uh was just not in a good place man the divorce kind of hit me it was final like it was just it was hard just like you know I'd, i'd been away from my son like i would see him but um, you know, I wasn't there every day with them. Like I had my custody split, but at that time it was, it was even lower than it's now tearing up and up to 50, 50 come, come June, which I'm super pumped about. But, uh, um, and I almost relapsed in a Mexican pharmacy, uh, was just not in a good place. That's eight and a half years sober almost. And, uh, you know, I, I bought some, bought some narcotics behind the counter. I was like, oh, let me see those. And I, without even thinking, I bought them. I got back to the condo and uh the squirrel i was with was like should you have those what is those?" and i was like no they're for a friend went through this whole rigmarole dude was trying to like she tried to take them from me i got super mad and i was like what is happening like i was planning on doing them and by the grace of god like she saw them she was like i don't feel right about this i'm like you barely know me get away like they're not yours oh they're for a friend and i, and I tell this whole story that i got back and i was super rattled man that was the first time like I had I had drugs in me and was thinking about going and crushing them on a counter and snorting them like I was planning on it until she caught me going to the bathroom like it was that close of a call and I shared that whole story and I actually did a whole podcast on it because it rattled me so bad and it took me a l- couple weeks to kind of like get my bearings underneath me I was like wow dude like that quick and my history shows me once I start I don't stop yeah. and so I was very I shared that and I shared that story on my Instagram and I shared it on and and i had some people be like dude i don't know if you should be saying that like i don't know if that's the best and the amount of dms i got from that one post being like dude thank you like i almost relapsed the other night and i was wondering what's wrong with me and this person only had like 60 days sober and so um man like that whole story was just to prove a point that it is I think it's so important to be raw, real, and authentic. And even like people might think some of my friends that were close to me, I was like, dude, I don't know if you should have shared that on your podcast and uh and Instagram. And I was like, you know, if someone thinks less of me because I almost relapsed, I don't really care. Even if I did relapse, one of the most powerful podcasts I have listened to recently was, uh, I and mean, it was probably a year ago now, but Dax Shepard um, is in recovery. And he had like 14 years sober and he came clean on a podcast that he'd been he'd been fucking up on pain pills for like six months and kept saying he was sober, just like in denial, just kept using them and like kept lying to everyone and himself. And he he got clean on there. And I was like, damn, that was really vulnerable. And it was funny. It was like, uh, yeah, it wasn't, uh, I think it was only two months before that, that that situation had happened to me. So that I think just, just being real on your content in your coaching and, uh, and we can shoot our balls Yeah, vulnerability is the asset, not the weakness, man. Yeah. And then I just—I grew up in a house where I thought being vulnerable was weak, right? Right. And it, you know, my dad, great man, but he was just like, no, like my dad never showed emotion. He just was like, hey, just be a man. You man up, right? You, you know, I'd hurt myself. He'd be like, man up. And so even with my kid, I'm trying to. I'm not gonna baby him like his mom. Jeez, man, she's gonna like he's gonna be soft and tissue paper here in a second. But I'm like. But i also you know even at three years old i'm trying to be like hey dude it's all good like it's all good i know you hurt yourself like okay let's look at it i think you're gonna be okay but i can see you're upset right now like i want to show him that being vulnerable and like
0: being real and actually having feelings is okay yeah it's okay to feel those things experience those things and then move past them 100 percent, dude so i i have a a question so um you mentioned words like being vulnerable and being authentic, and I know that this podcast is kind of taking a little bit of a turn. But what would do you do? You think that that these are synonymous? Do you feel like they happen at the same time? Because um, I did find myself kind of like I get a little bit philosophical at times, and I was like, "Is it really vulnerable if you only share your experiences after you've like you've won?" Right, like is that vulnerability? Mm. Like you're not willing to really share the hurt and the pain of that experience as you're going through it. Is that true vulnerability? Right. Mm. And I think that um, you might be being authentic, but I don't know that you're being vulnerable. Mm. And so, I so I have people that I am vulnerable with, and um, I think that it does take a certain amount of trust to know that 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 is not going to be like thrown right back in your face right so like renee brown she talks a little bit about like shame and shame triggering and she has like this she her 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 daughters had like this thing in class where they did this jelly bean jar thing and anytime like yum yeah yeah and they pull out the jelly bean anytime like trusted violated or something like that like that's her own little like thing so um I I was kind of wondering what you thought about that, and um, and I like just because of how much you've shared so far, um, like what your thoughts are. No, dude, I actually agree with you, and I, I love, I
1: love deep philosophical thinkers, man. I, I, some of my best conversations are with people who are just like, but like, is it really? I love that about you, man. Um, you know, I tend to agree, dude. It was interesting. Um, when I first got sober. And I started working with clients again. I was working for a company doing in-person stuff, and I was, uh, and I was ashamed to to tell my story. So it's like finally at eighteen months, I got quote unquote vulnerable. But really, what I did is I just got authentic and real, which I think are two different things because I was scared to tell them because if I told them, hey, by the way, three months ago I was shooting heroin in a dark alley, like they might not trust me that would be true vulnerability is on it like in the thick of the shit like my life still sucked I was building back from nothing I had a 505 credit score I had no like I was living on some dude's couch like my life sucked still um you know I was taking the bus everywhere it was that would have been true vulnerability right and I and I think that's what that moment that I think was defining for me is when I got back from Mexico it was only about maybe seven days later that I was like, I kind of got my wits about me because it shook me up. I had not been that close since I was three months sober and like hadn't really had a scare like that. And I, I was, the thought just kept going through, like, dude, you were gonna use, you could have ruined everything. Like you're a dad now, like fuck all the business stuff. Like you're a kid, like, and that didn't even cross my mind when I bought him and it scared me, but I definitely wasn't out of the woods yet. Like I still was like, and I had this thing come to me, do it in a meditation. I was like, you need to share this your secrets keep you sick like and it didn't feel good because i didn't feel like i was triumphant yet i felt like dude i'm still super shaky i was shaking when i did the podcast because it felt so uncomfortable and to me that's vulnerability is like despite your nervous system telling you like don't do this don't do this don't do this you say it and do it anyways because you know on the other end it's going to be healing and freeing and so that moment i remember after i got done recording and i made a post i was like Oh my gosh. You know, maybe someone else looking in would think, oh, he's doing that for attention or whatever. I don't know what stories people can concoct in their heads, but for me, that was such vulnerability that it was that it like got me through that. I feel like on the other side of that, once I got done with that, I was like, I could breathe again, dude. Like it's just like I was keeping this secret that only me and this girl knew. And it was eating me alive. And I was like, but if I tell people, will they judge me? Cause I've made this whole brand off being a sober dude. And like, even though I didn't get high. Um, and so that was different than just being authentic. Me just telling you about it now doesn't feel too vulnerable. It just feels like, oh, dude, almost two years ago, I must relapse. I was full-blown planning on it, and you know, my plans got interrupted. Um, but in the moment, it was vulnerability. And on the other side of that was a lot of healing. And so I agree with you. I think that or people will be like, here's my worst bet, peeve, Sorry to go off a tangent, but the warning, vulnerable posts, like to me, that's not even a vulnerability. If you have to give me a warning, like just be real. And you can see the difference when people are manufacturing vulnerability on Instagram for likes, comments, shares, you know, and it's so, at least for me, I pick up on that so easy. And I'm just like, oh man, like there's something that just feels off about this. And, and I could be wrong. I could be right. I don't know, but my intuition definitely tells me this is manufactured in order to get some likes and shares. And, um, you know, to me, vulnerability is a, if you feel like you're going to shit your pants a little when you open your mouth and say it, that's probably vulnerability. If it feels super easy, that's just more being authentic. And I agree. I think
0: they're two different things. And I think people, uh, misunderstand both of them. Yeah. And like being, being authentic, I think you'd probably more likely be like, if somebody was going to poke at you, it's not when you're being vulnerable, it's likely more likely when you're being authentic right? Like Instagram air quotes, authentic, right? Dude, a hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Most people have a kind enough heart when they could, because you can tangibly feel it, right? I can feel when clients and you, you, you have two, like over the years work. I mean, all of a sudden they just get real with me and they dump some shit on me. And I was like, whoa, okay yeah it can steal it from them and and there's no judgment. there's no your your heart just immediately softens for that person if you' in a half decent human being right and uh, and so, yeah, man, it's uh, it's powerful stuff. and i think I think so often people um they don't get vulnerable, but yeah, they say they do, but it's after the fact. it's after they want. it's
0: after they feel comfortable talking about it, yeah. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a step to one day becoming vulnerable for some people is like maybe first having the confidence to see that they can get through certain situations. But I think you have to have a certain confidence in yourself, um, in knowing that this isn't the end for you, um, for some people to feel like, okay, I can, like, it's, I'm being vulnerable. This thing did happen. Um, but like, maybe you don't. But maybe you don't, and I think probably in your situation, maybe you didn't, like because it did feel like, damn, this shit like just happened, and it shouldn't happen to me because I'm, you know, this leader and I'm I'm X, Y, and z and like, I I didn't even think about all these things that I could have fucked up, like that. I think that that's like that 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 in by definition is like vulnerability because like you actually didn't know that you had the skills to get out of there. And I think that th- that that's when somebody would s- kind of be a little bit more vulnerable. Like me being vulnerable about nutrition <laughs> like guys, like this weekend, I totally fuck it, fucked it up. <laughs> like that wouldn't, cause like I have the skills to get that in control and cause like fucking it up. Like we know that it, it's not fucking it up one day and it's not like guys, every day I struggle with food. It's like, that's not what's happening. So like, right. Right. I'm vulnerable. It's like real, real things that like really happen and that you aren't sure that you have a full grip on and that's that's when you're sharing like that's what you're sharing 100 man tell you what if you want to build deep
1: connection with people first off learn who you can trust but get truly vulnerable like i said if it doesn't make you feel like you're gonna shit your pants a little when you open your mouth it's probably not true vulnerability and that's okay you don't have to like manufacture something but if you want a deep connection with human beings at a level you've never experienced like start getting real. I would say your secrets keep you sick. And like so often that's what it is. We want to keep whatever's going on a secret um, out of fear whatever everyone else will say, think, you know, judge whatever about us. And so it was a good, good tangent. We went on to That's but it's the deep shit I
0: like talking about. You're so, like, give me some fucking value. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So um, I guess, yeah, moving, moving from that into what I feel like are some of the concepts or, or maybe the things that have allowed you to to get a little deeper there. And I think that, like, for people who are trying to draw a takeaway, that understanding you have somebody that you can communicate with on this sort of level, like somebody that is willing to, to sit with you in your shit and help you get out of it um, and have the skills and tools available to them to not just give you the X's and O's of macro you know, coaching, but like, actually be like, you know, I understand, like, I've, I've felt these feelings that you're going through like and while you might not have shared that exact experience that they're going through you've you've felt things similar um where maybe you felt like a failure and maybe you felt like you weren't good enough or maybe you felt like you weren't worthy and those sorts of things so now i'm wondering um maybe it's in next level maybe you do this with nutrition coaching um how do you begin to once we know where somebody's at how do you begin to build that person up? Um, and, and what sort of habits are you looking for, for those people? Like, I know you mentioned meditation. Um, where do you start? Yeah. You mean kind of on the, um, you know, outside of just the training
1: and nutrition, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I've always said that. I think that, you know, I've kind of coined the whole, uh, my whole coaching model off of this, this four-legged chair, right? Um, somebody said how many legs is a chair supposed to have i'm like well there's a bar stool that might have less you asshole uh you know people come to us for you know the this one i realized years ago and especially with with my experience and when i've been through it they come you know they come to us for the physical health and and i i think but if if you can if you're a coach out there listening you know adopting a similar model to really help people I, it has been incredibly powerful, and that's what will separate you from just the person who does the ex's nose right come to us for the physical health That leg but at the emotional, mental, and spiritual—those are the other three legs. If if one of those is kind of wobbly, not a big deal. Like you can still sit on that chair and you you'll be fine. If two gets kind of wobbly, that thing gets a little hard to balance on. You'd be a little like you're sitting on a yoga ball, a little more core strength, right? <laughs> but if one leg just completely collapses, you're like shit. And so then you got to p- prop your leg up and hold up. And and before you know it, if two legs you're Gonzo, right? And you fall on your face. And so they all affect each other. And I realized that. You know, there's been times, and my last show prep was an example of this, and granted it was seven years ago, but I went everything on that physical leg of the chair. and while I didn't almost relapse, I was completely miserable. I ruined a great relationship. I came home, her shit was packed. I was a selfish asshole and I realized like that wasn't healthy for me. Although the show prep I did before, I kept all the legs intact, and it was a great show prep. I loved it. Um, something different happened on that one. And so instilling, I, I tell clients like, listen, I'm not a therapist, not like not a like uh, not a psychologist, but what we can do is make sure there's some habits in place, and again, meeting the client where they're at to make sure every leg of the chair is somewhat optimal. Because as we know, you know what affects your emotional eating is your emotions, right? And your mental state. It's not just that physically you suck; it's or just a sheer lack of willpower. It's unregulated emotions, and so you're not, um, you know, you're not taking care of these things, and so I. I try to implement it's different with every client. And in the next level, there's certain principles we we implement with with everyone on on uh, each cohort. and that's um meditation and um gratitude journaling and uh, an outdoor walk because I think walking, especially outdoors, it's one of the the few things that hits every leg of the chair, right? We've got the the physical, emotional, mental, and even spiritual for me sometimes, especially if it's a nice summer night the sounds the birds like it just reminds me just how powerful like the universe is just this nature right um and so you know it'll look different with um with each client but those are areas I really try to and what we're also trying to do is you know just telling the client hey stop being so stressed that's not being a good coach why are you stressed like figuring out that first and then coming up with some tactics and habits To de stress them. It's like telling a client if they're not getting good sleep, we'll get more sleep. Why aren't they getting more sleep? Do we need a bedtime? Do we need to look at supplementation? Do we need to look at less screen time before bed? Do we need blue light blockers, like a weighted blanket? Like, what do we need? Is it a colder room, even like silly things like that? And so, it's the same thing. Um, Really, it's not just about your mental, emotional, spiritual health. If you're doing something to nourish those legs, you're oftentimes going to get better physical health. You know, you're going to have lower levels of cortisol you're going to sleep better you're going to have a better outlook on life you're going to be happier and so you're not going to be shoving your face full of burger king at midnight because you had a bad day you're going to make better choices with your food um and so those are those are a few of the things do I like to implement but you know it'll um it'll vary client to
0: client yeah that makes complete sense and like some of the you know some strategies can go like you're like oh you're like if you're if you're literally just trying to be a problem solver and you're not coaching you will find yourself probably just being like oh well you're doing this we'll do this and it's like well why were they doing it and they like well, like you said like why are they doing this and um like is it is it so that they can turn their brain off or like it what is what is something they could replace that with right like to better solve that like if they're they're getting screen time late before bed because they've got anxiety surrounding the work day and they don't want to like, they just want to quote unquote decompress. So they scroll into their eyes, get, you know, drowsy and then they fall asleep. If they fall asleep, you know, that like, why is that happening? And what could we do instead? And then in your case, you're like, you might suggest like a nighttime meditation or maybe reading a little book before you go to bed or, you know, going for like a, a light walk. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. It reminded me, you know what? Uh,
1: we talk about this kind of this triangle in the next level experience, and, and and in the middle of that triangle is is your state of being. So just the state of you're at, wherever you're at, right? Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, like whatever. That's your state of being. And on one side of the triangle is is oh, sorry. The fastest ways to change your state, either positive or negative, is you have the language you use, not only to yourself but to others. So. You can have a really good conversation with a friend of that has depth and weight. You can say positive affirmations to yourself. You can not say negative shit to yourself or to someone else. Like you know, that's one way. The other way is through your um, your focus, what you're focusing on. So um, obviously, you know where you're uh, you know where your focus goes, your energy flows, right? So if you're focusing on the negative, you're going to get more negative. And but even just like in those moments, I'll tell clients, okay. Just in those moments, put on a really uplifting podcast or a podcast to get your focus away from the fact that you want to strangle your husband. Like, you know, any of these things, right? Go read a book, do something to change your focus. But the best way to change your state of being is your physiology. That's the end. And that's why, I mean, that's why we feel so damn good after a workout. We get those endorphins going. But man, I tell you what, I'm stressed. I go for a quick walk. That shit calms down fast, probably even faster than meditation. Um, and then I'll meditate after, and and then and then I feel extra good. Um, but and then also when you're just sitting all day, that shit builds up too in a negative way. And so that's, dude, that's why I just love walking. I just preach walking, man. Um, it, and I had a, I had a video uh, have a little bit of virality with this. It's always the dumb ones, dude. I've, I've lost hope in humanity sometimes. It was like twenty second video of me saying that walking is exercise. And, uh, you know, anybody tells you different, hit them over the head with a tack hammer. And my whole point was, if you intentionally go for a walk, that's intentional exercise. Cause it's no longer considered sit or but I was just saying like walking, let's not underestimate the powers of it, man. The hate I got on that, because it, I have no interest anymore in virality, dude, it grew my following a lot, but I have no interest in doing that again. The amount of trolls that talk so much shit, like, you know, walking is an exercise. You're a moron. Go read a book. Like walk oh yeah if you got shredded from walking my ass well, nobody oh what about strength training i'm like literally i didn't say to replace strength training um but uh have virality is not the way to grow i've,
0: I've learned because it came with a lot of shit <laughs> yeah the um i i guess like um it's kind of interesting because you know um there are people that i respect on the internet and then uh it's very easy on the internet to to attack anybody for saying anything because it, it's devoid of context, right? And you have a 60-second video in which to instill a certain amount of context and then that is going to, based on viewership, be taken out of context. So when they remove that context and they apply their lens, you're now an idiot. And that's the internet. And then if somebody like it's a stitch on it and now like there's that so like i'm like whatever you do on the internet somebody's gonna think you're an idiot right you could say strength training's the best thing and unless you live in a strength training silo you might be like oh yeah uh strength training is great but if you're not there somebody maybe from i don't know there's probably somebody in a yoga sector i'd imagine that believes that strength training is like makes you all rigid and stiff and makes you not like mobile even though that's not true but like that's just a belief in a system of operating right and so like nobody said to do just walk alone to get shredded that's not what you said you just said it was exercise and maybe you could strength train and go for a walk (laughs) uh yeah so it's like so true man it's uh and i
1: have a friend who i thought you were talking about my friend who does yoga because she's like Oh, i don't want to do that because it's going to make me too stiff But i just i love being mobile and i'm like it's actually like been proven that's incorrect like it actually can only help those things but uh somebody will always i made a post one time about the importance of strength training and of course i mean just recently and of course i get people that are like yeah it says the meathead you got to do cardio and I'm like never once did i say not to do cardio yeah. like i just said strength training is so fun if if Every American strike train three times a week, we would be in even even void of saying, "Hey, you should also watch your food." Even that alone would immensely help the the our our obesity crisis and and just confidence. Even people would be happier, even if they didn't lose weight, they would hopefully have a composition change a little bit. They would live longer a little bit. They have stronger bones. Like there is so much. And again, on that post, people were like, "No, cardio is really important too." I said, "Never once I say it's not right." So it's void of context and the keyboard warriors come out strong and that's what you know when people are we're in positions like we are we're putting out content like you know you just know you might get some jackass that has something bad to say and that's where being confident and you go back to the vulnerability thing and and being confident in yourself and there's a level of self-love and um, appreciation for who you are you know who you are you have to have a little bit of thick skin especially you know growing a a following on social media and putting stuff out to the public where your account's not private because there's going to be people who say shit and at the end of the day that's why all these other tools that i do you know the meditation the i'm you know i've been a big advocate of therapy all this shit has got me to a place where i can have pretty thick skin and uh and i can take it you know
0: and so it's it's just more important to just continue to work because you'll always get some shit out there absolutely yeah and i like to think like You know not just strength training and nutrition but like everything that you were saying um whether it's like you know confidence or everything everything has a percentage of your one rep max and that's like the amount that you feel that you can handle or that you can handle right everything is a perceived one rm it has that level right and as i go through life most of life operates at a very low level compared to my one rep max on deadlift right? Like if I go pick up a box of, uh, you know, fair life's, like I got a whole case here for the gym, right? Like that relative, my one rep max is very low. And, um, but when I first started, that would have been much a higher percentage of my one rep max, right? So the practice and confidence builds as I get stronger. And the same is true of, um, you know, cardio, as I do more cardio, my ability to hit a higher heart rate, goes up because at first it's kind of hard to like build and sustain a high aerobic capacity that goes up as i continue to train that and then like you're saying like you're, you're upper limit for what you're able to put out content wise and what you're able to handle like lots of people would have deleted their instagram <laughs> after or took the post down after what you went through in terms of like the attacks online and stuff like that but that's because, like that's relative to your one rep max. And maybe it's closer. Because of all the hate that you got. Like it tested you. But because of all the reps that you've built in, all the vulnerability and trust you've put into the system, all of this stuff, you've got a higher w- one rep max than than most. And so I think that's a really good analogy,
1: man. I mean, because it's true. It did test me a little more. Because I mean, I, you know, I got I got accused of being too skinny on there to be in too much on roids i was like which one is it guys can we pick we in the middle it was an exercise demonstration video and they're like yeah says the guy i have way bigger arms than this scrawny dude and then the next comment was like get off the roids bro i'm like so like you guys got to meet me in the middle of somewhere uh one guy my favorite comment said you look like a big dumb refrigerator with magnets all over it and i'm like i'm assuming the magnets are my tattoos but i was like thanks yeah but again it did there was a moment there where i was actually praying for that video to stop because as many nice comments our brains affixate on the negative ones right and and so it started to get to me i'm like dude this is not that like not that controversial of a post chill and then I, i i i flipped into gary v mode and i thought you know i truly felt empathy for these people like i don't know what is so fucked up in their life that on a tuesday They wake up and they think, you know what I'm going to do? (laughs) I'm going to scroll the real section and I'm going to find somebody, a random stranger, and I'm going to take the time to type out, you look like a big dumb refrigerator with with magnets all over it to post. Like that is so sad and broken. Never once have I thought when I'm scrolling to take the time to fucking write something negative to a complete stranger, even if I wholeheartedly disagree. Like that is their platform. They can do what they want and I will scroll by. They are there are someone fundamentally broken in their lives. And um, you know, I got to that place with a lot of work of just truly feeling empathy for them because that is not a way to live. Right.
0: Have you read the book Social? No. Um, I'll get the author to you after um after the podcast, but um in the book Social they talk about why it's so painful when we do get like those sort of negative pangs, or were bullied, right? Um, it's it's the absence of somebody standing up with standing up for you that feels like affirmation to that statement, right? So you're getting all of these hate comments, and like maybe somebody isn't directly under it, responding or stopping it from happening, so it feels like it's kind of true, and. Yeah. And so like you have to, like you have, you've done the mental work to know that that's not true and that you're a great, you're a great guy with an amazing story who's helped many people and inspired, you know, coaches like me to level up their game. And, um, I, I want you to know personally that I appreciate everything that you're doing and that you continue to do and that. I truly respect everything that you're doing. Dude. Likewise, man. I appreciate that a lot, dude. Thank you
1: that's why us good coaches gotta stick together and uh you know i appreciate what you do on there man so it's cool to see how good of a dad you are and your kid is cute as shit dude (laughs) but i love watching other men that are so involved with their children dude because he's he's you know he's 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 my why you know it's uh and and unfortunately there's a lot of dads who just you know they think their role is just go to work and just that's it like and and just you know be a being a present father is, um, that's, that's the ticket, man.
0: Right. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your time and, uh, that you were willing to jump down all the rabbit holes with me. Dude, that was fun. It was one of the funner ones I've been on, uh, because we went in so many different directions. I liked it. Awesome.